welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast, where we show you that women are capable of achieving incredible things when they put in some serious effort. Now, my name is Victoria Smith. I am your host. I am a stress reduction coach living here in Calgary, Alberta, and I am so excited to be joined today by our guest, Morgan Craig Broadwith. Now, I first was exposed to Morgan while I was sipping a delicious cappuccino and eating avocado on toast, how millennial of me, at an event run by the ACE class called Toast. And it was actually, uh, all the, t- the theme of it was Superwoman and how, how these women do it all, manage it all. And Morgan was one of the panelists. And what really drew me to Morgan was her bold honesty. <laughs> and and I say that in like she didn't sugarcoat it like she did not sugarcoat the hard parts in life and I so as someone that has personally experienced a lot of the hard parts in life I so appreciate that because it it lets you know that it's still possible to live a really good life a really full meaningful powerful life even if you're going through hard times you know Morgan talked in on the panel and in this interview about what it was like to go through uh, the merger of two oil and gas companies and the layoffs that ensued. I experienced that personally, so uh, I could super relate to that. She talked about her uh, experiences and the challenges of motherhood, which I 100% relate to right now. We talked about so many things. We talked about her business, Live It Active, which really empowers women and she teaches them grit and grace. That, that's really a theme that we talk about. And I tell you, it's, I, I left this interview with Morgan. I think I even say it at the end of it, like, I wish I could have spent more time with her. It's a long interview. It's a really good one, though. I think you'll really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, we talk all about the importance of mindfulness. And she shares some of the key lessons that have really helped her balance everything, prioritize self-care, be a great individual, mother, wife, do all the things in a real meaningful, honest way. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find the show notes for today and all the ways you can get in touch with Morgan or attend one of her retreats at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash nine six. Now, the Girl Choice Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. So Morgan is one of the graduates of the ATBX program, but I do want to let you know um, whether you go through the ATBX program, which is an accelerator for small businesses or not, if you are a small business across Alberta, ATB have a number of entrepreneur centers. I think there's Calgary, Edmonton, Grand Prairie, Lethbridge, and they do pop-ups in Airdrie and in Sherwood Park. And it's, they're places where you can where you can learn, you can get matched to mentors, you can really attend, you can attend these sessions where they they dive deep into topics that so many entrepreneurs can benefit from. The locations themselves are gorgeous places to work. It's like a little coffee shop within a bank, like who knew that was (laughs) like the coolest environment to spend your time in. And there are just so many resources, whether on their website or in person, to help you start, grow, accelerate your small business. So I highly recommend you check them out. And the Alberta Podcast Network, what I want to tell you about them today is that we have a snazzy new website. I didn't even realize it until I went to it today. 
And um, I think it looks phenomenal because what I love about it is if you go to the main page now and you scroll down, Karen Unland, who is our fearless leader, has created these really great themes to, at a glance, you can sort of figure out where your interests lie and then you can find the podcast associated with that. So, you know, arts, foods, and culture, business and marketing, education and self-improvement, movies, pop culture, politics, social issues, sports, stories, and storytelling. Whatever your passion is, you just, you know, scroll onto there and you'll find the, the member podcasts that are associated with it. So Girl Tries Life can be found under education and self-improvement. And I think last week we talked about re-podcasting, which can be found under movies. But as you can tell, whatever theme you are interested in, whatever topic floats your boat, there will be something in there for you. The one thing that is not in there which I have to go elsewhere for is bachelor related podcast but that is a terrible guilty pleasure of mine but as Morgan says in this podcast we all need our sort of guilty pleasure thing as long as it is restorative so so many different uh, topics that you can find through the Alberta Podcast Network there is something for everybody Okay, so again, show notes for today can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash nine six. Oh, and before I forget the last, last thing, I know I did mention this last week, but the Girl Tries Life podcast is up for a Best of Calgary podcast uh, award. Best of Calgary award in the podcast category. Sorry. So if you are, they actually even allow... Uh, you to enter whether you're Calgary, Edmonton, or otherwise. I think they just rate them, rank them slightly differently. But it seems like you can enter if you're pretty much within Alberta. But bestofcalgary.com, if you go under cityscape and people, if you're enjoying this podcast, if you're listening to it now, if you would love to vote for it in the best of category, you would absolutely make my day. So again, bestofcalgary.com, and I will include everything in today's show notes. So without further ado, let's head to the interview. Well, thank you, Morgan, for joining us on the podcast. I'm so pleased to have you. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. Well, and thanks for coming to my house. You make my uh, stay-at-home mom Matt, like, Matt leave life a lot easier. Right you got to go to the where the baby's at. Yeah. Right? You got to accommodate the nap schedule. Yeah. Naps. Sleep is life, as my girlfriends and I talk about. Sleep oh, is life. Oh, man. Is it ever. So I first m- met you, saw you at the ACE class, one of the toast events, Wonder Women, I think that event was called, and was definitely blown away and very much resonated with you, especially when you're talking about motherhood, balancing work. And the thing that I resonated with you most, first of all, is talking about working in oil and gas and having gone through that sort of layoff season, because I most definitely went through that myself. (laughs) And I know many people that did. And so many people that I know on both sides of it, whether they sort of survived layoffs or they were laid off you know, they're, they struggle, whatever end of the spectrum that they're, they're on. What lessons have you sort of learned through this boom bust cycle? And how has that affected your approach to your career, your life, all the things? It's a great question. So I entered work, you know, the energy world back in 2014, right before I was getting 
married. That's right. So I was enjoying the luxuries of working in energy, oil and gas. Like they had ice cream days. <laughs> there was like thousands of people that would descend. And I, I had just come from nonprofit. I'm like, what is this heaven? <laughs> and, and so I had about, I would say four or five months of that. And then things started to really shift and change. And I remember my initial response to it was one of considerable stress and yeah. uncertainty. I hadn't been through something like this before really quite early on in my career to begin with. And uh, so I was sort of leaning on my boss a lot, asking a lot of questions and definitely having a sort of very standard or stereotypical stress response, okay? Impacting my sleep, impacting my social relationships, my emotionality. And so at the time I was working in health promotion and I was tasked with you know, developing a strategy and some tools to help our people manage their mental health and their stress. And so I put together this stress presentation and I was talking to my husband about it. And I said, you know, I feel like this is bullshit. And I feel like this is, (laughs) I feel as though I'm going to tell them, because my background psychology and exercise physiology. And I said, I think I'm going to tell people all the really boring things that they already know, like make sure you're getting sleep and make sure you're eating right and exercising and seeing friends. And those are all really, really valid and important. And I'm not trying to downplay the importance of those. But uh, what he said was, well, why don't you share your experience and talk about your own experience of this and your stress response to it? So I said, sure, why not? And that's a great idea. So <laughs> I created this sort of intro, the, sort of, I opened it up with this case study and I gave the case study's name Maria and I sort of went through kind of all the, and uh, at the end of it, I said, well, I'm Maria. And actually my first name is Maria and I go by my middle name, Morgan. Oh, okay. So, so then it, you know, caught people's attention right away. And then we went into it and talked about stress and, and sort of the physiological response. So giving people that science and the neural pathway behind it. And then we talked about some tangible tools you can utilize as an individual, but also some of the things you can do from a peer-to-peer or from a leader to a direct report and some of the things you can do to help. And so it just took off and it was amazing the response because people would come up afterwards and they're like, oh my gosh, I thought you would talk to my boss and that was my story you were telling. Oh my gosh. And uh, so I, I actually reached out and connected with over a thousand of our employees and contractors over Alberta. So up in the oil sands, across our operations, throughout rural Alberta. Alberta and kind of did a roadshow and it was really powerful and so uh, I think the one of the lessons I learned from that is be honest don't don't just be vulnerable for vulnerability's sake that's a I have a big issue with that but you can share a piece of your story you know a res- I mean I didn't tell everything and anything yeah. But that helps to connect and bring people out of their aloneness yeah. uh, in it. And and so just because you've been maybe through a couple ups and downs, if you've been in the energy industry for a while, doesn't mean that it's not doesn't mean that it's not stressful. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that it doesn't impact you. Yes, you've built up probably some resilience and a thicker skin to it, but you still need help. You still need social support. You still need that connection. So I think that was one of the lessons I learned. The second one was when I, so I, I came back from maternity leave, was super apprehensive, I had been given two new bosses on my mat leave. Oh, I knew something was up. I came back, I wasn't doing any work and like 
I'm not trying to be an egotistical jerk, but they gave, like, I was a good performer. Yeah. And I came back and they're like, I I had nothing to do Mm -hmm. except stare at the cameras of my daughter at daycare, which is not a good thing to do. Okay. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, my stress response was high. And then all of a sudden the acquisition deal between Synovus and Conoco was announced. And so it made complete sense. I could see the writing on the wall. You know, what was not being said to me was I was going to get severed. And so I thought, well, I don't really want to be severed right now. And uh, so I'm going to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to the VP of HR at uh, Synovus and I said, hey, will you meet with me? And because I know when you're doing acquisition deals, you just see the positions, you don't see names, you don't, yeah. you don't necessarily see all the backstory of who that is and what their skills and capabilities are. You may see bits and pieces. So I knew that if they saw a health promotion person that they didn't need that they had let their person go long ago. So they didn't need someone in that capacity. Thoughtful for the people left behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I went and met and, and connected and said, yeah, I'd be willing to try something different. So they hired me and uh, it was part of the acquisition deal, which works out in my favor for sure. And so that was the second lesson is find your voice, advocate for yourself. Even in times of uncertainty, you can create some level of certainty. Yeah. I say this all the time to people. What can you control? Totally. What can you control? And you yeah. know what? <clears throat> might have been nothing. It yeah. might have not worked out. But I, I was willing to take yeah. that risk. And you'd have felt better for having done something than nothing, right? Totally. And so that was, that was that's probably the second big lesson I learned from this is, is don't, don't negate or, yeah, the power of your own voice. Don't downplay the power of your own voice. So, this, so the third lesson, I think, and probably the most important they're all pretty important but is that you are replaceable Mm -hmm. you are unique but you're not at the same time and there will always be someone better or someone who can come and do your job and they may not do it the exact same way you do or with the same flavor or flair you you know I do believe we you know we're all unique snowflakes yeah (laughs) but uh at the same time you know know that you are a number and and that's a really crappy thing to say um and that you're replaceable and that they have to run a business and there's a bottom line and and you need to know that if you're going to go and work in a big company and it's or even in a small company nonprofit you yes and things are going to change and that's that is that is something that you can count on and so instead of looking at that and going oh wow that's really depressing which it which it can be is it I looked at it and went this is very freeing and and so I look at that and go you know I'm going to go in I'm going to do my best work I am going to be my best self and I'm going to live by my my morals and my ethics Uh, And when that shifts and changes, I'm out of there. But I'm going to go in and I I am going to be a good performer. I'm going to put in my hours and do the work that I've been asked to do and do it better. However, I have very strict boundaries on what it is you can and cannot take from me. And I'm going to be very upfront about it. And so I think, and as I said at the Toast panel, this this has not proven to be an issue for me yeah in fact I think people respect me more yeah and they know that they can't take advantage of that or me and I think that because I know my worth they know my worth too and so I think that's a really important lesson that I've looked at this and and sort of it's taken a while and there's a lot of wounds that take time to heal like it's taken me a year and a half to get over the wound that Conoco was going to sever me but I finally brought closure to that and I think 
so it, it's, it, you know, all these lessons come and they come while you are still healing. Yeah. So those would be sort of my three top takeaways yeah. from going through this experience. So for people that are staying behind, like you were saying, I, I think I have a rough idea of what people can take from you at work, right? Like good quality work, you know, have expectations of what can people not take from you? What are your boundaries of like, this is, I don't stand for this. I'm not going to answer emails all the time. So if I don't have a company phone and if I do, it's separate from my own, but I actually don't have a company phone mm-hmm. and I can access my emails at home, but that's a lot more of a step-by-step yeah. process and it kind of stops you from that immediate go-to on your phone. Yeah. It's so, so easy. It's wonderful that the iPhone now has, you can control your screen time. I'm just sort of utilizing that it's app. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Tells you how long you spent on social media, which I hope we will get into, I'm sure, just sort of the damage that that can do to your brain. Yeah. But uh, so that's one thing is that I just, uh, I'm not always available. Yeah. And, you know, I, I am going to, I'm going to perform. I'm always going to deliver. And if I can't, I'm going to let you know. And I want to cultivate that trust that I can work from home or that it can be flexible yeah. so that it can allow for some give and take. And I have had the beauty of even in large corporations being able to do that. Yeah. So I think that you are not going to always have my time or attention, but when you do, I am going to give you 110%. Yeah. Uh, the other boundary I do, which people are always totally bamboozled by, <laughs> is, so we, of course, you live and die by the Outlook calendar and your yeah. schedule and like, book a meeting with me. And and so what I started doing, you know, back at Conoco, but I, I carried it over to Synovus, is, is blocking off time in my calendar to do work and yeah. like huge chunks of time. Yeah. And so people would be like, your schedule is so packed. I cannot get a meeting in with you. And I'm like, oh yeah, well, a couple weeks we can do it in a couple weeks or I can maybe shift things around here if it's pressing or could we could you come by my desk or we have a phone call like is it really necessary of an hour so I really push back on people about time because time is such a um an incredible I don't know if currency is the right word but like it's it's finite and 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 I am protective of it and I am going to leave at 4 15 to go get my kids and no I'm sorry I can't make that meeting and I am going to run things on time and if you're late for the meeting I'm going to start it or if you're 15 minutes late I'm going to leave and so you know I really respect people's time with the expectation that they're going to respect mine and so those are just some of the examples and you know the best leaders that I knew well currently and in corporations is that they do block that time for work because otherwise like you're saying your calendar will just get filled with nonsense meetings that actually don't necessarily move the needle I think when you give people less time they are more thoughtful and purposeful with that time absolutely not like you're not busy or giving 110% at work but during your mat leave you launched your own business called live live it active so I'm hoping first of all you can tell our listeners what you do with your business and then we'll talk about maybe how that came about so my business has gone through a few iterations I started it back in 2011 oh I thought it was just on this mat leave no so back in 20 that's okay uh it's gone as I said it's gone through many iterations so I graduated my master's and then was unemployed as so many are (laughs) and I was I thought I need to do something to fill up the resume and make it look like I'm being somewhat productive so I started live it active and I was doing some stress management seminars and right. very few obviously and then I applied out west we moved out west and it went on hold for five years right. and so uh, 
after my first maternity leave, I decided to relaunch it. And one of the things that I'd always been playing around with was uh, the concept of the retreat. But what I had been doing kind of part-time, not getting paid for it, were these sort of sessions on and mental health and stress management sort of across Canada. And I had to do it you know, either they donated or something because I was working full time and yeah. it would be considered moonlighting and there's all kinds of stuff with that. So anyway, so I, I relaunched uh, back in 2017 after I came back from maternity leave with my daughter and ran my first retreat in August and learned a lot of really valuable lessons from that and was still you know, offering, and I still will, but offer the sort of one-off workshops on a range of topics under sort of the umbrella of mental health. So whether it's resilience or mental health for leaders and helping to manage their teams. So I was doing that kind of, again, these one-offs. And and then, you know, what I realized um, as I've been a part of this wonderful accelerator program through ATB is I've really honed in on, you know, what is it that I'm doing that's really successful and succeeding right now? And it's these retreats. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a very multifaceted business, but at the same time, I've really focused yeah. in and on the retreat aspect. And yeah. so I'm focusing on a specific demographic. So it's, I'm looking at women of all ages and stages. Typically, a lot of the women who come are moms. And I mean, there's, there's no exclusion factor you don't have to be a mom and and sort of the theme that I've started to really focus in on is the theme of grace and grit so so my business as most small businesses and startups go through they go through iterations and mine has and that's sort of been the evolution of it so it's all with under this umbrella I think of mental health and well-being and resilience and the cultivation of that but I think the themes I've chosen to focus on and will continue to grow and evolve in is that grace and grit so if someone goes on one of your retreats and this podcast should be coming out in February so you've got a retreat in March that's what right. can they expect yes yeah, so I think that's a it's a really powerful and important question because I, I definitely have had a few confused <laughs> registrants and I'll explain this so there are a ton of retreats out yeah. there right uh, it, you know anything you could go to Bali and do a yoga one you could go to Mexico Costa Rica you can go in Alberta there's tons of and from a huge range of like 300 bucks for a weekend to five thousand dollars right so there's a huge range out there in terms of low end medium high end all over the world so for my retreats uh and I've been on a few myself but my retreats it's not only a day or two days away and right now I'm only at about a day or two days for retreats yeah It's not simply just getting away from the house and having a break. That's part of it. And that's really important. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me with retreats too, I sometimes think, oh my gosh, why do we have to retreat somewhere in order to reconnect with ourselves? Can we not find a way to do that in our day to day? But it's really hard. Yeah. Right? When you're doing all of the things. Yeah. And so, you know, I I always, I'm trying always trying to think okay really I think what this is is you take a day or you take two days to help you set the stage to then find ways to retreat every day yeah to ensure that connection to yourself so it's giving you just that space and time to do that so the thing about my retreat as I said it's not just a day away it's actually digging in and it's asking some really critical questions of yourself that I think are an imperative for anyone and everyone, not yeah. just women at different ages and stages. It's it's digging in and doing some big work. And that's where, you know, my belief is in the interpretation of the literature is that in order for you to become grittier, you have to ask yourself, who am I and yeah. what am I about? 
because that's going to help carve out what is it that you're going to be passionate about and willing to stick with over the long haul. And that's grittiness. But the thing is, is in order to do that, you need to be well enough to continue to do that. And that's where that grace piece comes in. Yeah. Uh, And so that's what happens is we sit and we ask and we explore and everyone gets a workbook. And the goal of it is, you know, it may not happen that day because these are a lot of big questions and it's kind of overwhelming. And it's, I don't want to, I don't want to paint. I also don't want to misrepresent this. It is a beautiful and fun day. Uh, Because sometimes doing this work is, is hard and it is. Um, but the goal is to get you thinking about what is your personal manifesto. Yeah. And another way of putting that is your life's mission statement or this this macro goal that drives you all your micro goals. Because I think we can get into this, I'm going to set these goals and I'm going to do all this and then nothing happens. Yeah. And so... Some, or you just move on to the next thing and don't acknowledge the change that's happened. That's right. Like That's a really good point. And... And so this is is giving you sort of the time and some new tools and some new mediums for relaxation as well. And so okay. that's something else throughout the day that's embedded is I'm bringing in uh, different people. It's not just me, uh, but I'm dr- bringing in different local experts to expose you to different ways to relax. So whether it's yoga nidra or yeah. booty yoga or forest bathing, yeah. uh, which is uh, Jap- in Japanese, it's shinrin yoku. Yeah. And I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah. I saw you forest bathing. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so it's, it's exposing people to uh, different ways to relax. And so the day is kind of broken up into that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I like, I mean, if anyone wants a sense of it, we'll obviously link to your website, but the testimonials are incredible. People love your retreat. There have been some good testimonials. I think what I did this year that was uh, different, that was, I think it's quite helpful for participants, but also really enlightening for me is uh, the follow-up. So, you know, making change is really hard. Yeah. And sometimes you need someone to hold you accountable. And so what I committed to with everyone that came through is I would follow up with them in three weeks to see yeah. how they're doing and then set up a call. And so, of course, not everyone responded to yeah. my emails and not everyone booked a call. But I would say probably about 25-30% uh, booked a call or we had some email exchange in, in regards to yeah. their progress with the workbook. And so, no, it's not 100%, but like I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And so, but what happened was the people that were engaged, whoa. Yeah. It was really cool because they're like, yeah, I, I actually decided to change my career path. I got a new job. Holy. Or, you know what, I'm now integrating my girlfriend who came, she's integrating what she's called Work It Wednesday. So every <laughs> Wednesday night, her husband's doing bedtime with the kids. She has carved out time for her to do the workbook, to do look at her manifesto or the changes that she the small changes yeah. that she wants to do to start living that. And and so there's these, you know, whether they're I think small change is actually better. Oh, yeah. It's way more palatable. It's way more accessible, approachable, whatever you want to use. It actually lasts. It lasts yeah. instead of being like, and, and so the, having the career changes is, perhaps that was percolating for a while. Yeah. That's not what my retreats are about. It's not to say you have to, you walk away and you're like, I got to change everything. I'm a different person. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's giving you the space to connect with who you are. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the greatest gift of what I'm trying to do is to help you connect in and listen to who you are yeah because you can do all the self-care in the world but if you aren't actually deeply rooted and grounded in in who you are 
then it's not going to matter that you go to the gym five times a week or that you're having a smoothie or now out sleep is incredible yes. critical and all those things are really good as i said before yeah um but that 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 the big work is really critical as yeah. well so this is maybe a starting point for that yeah. it gives people some tools gets people thinking yeah Sometimes it's a little overwhelming to start. You got to go away, have some soak time, and then that's why that follow up call and the and it's been really wonderful for me to hear some of the changes. One big one, but most of the people I talk to, just small changes, yeah. and that's what I'm looking for. So, what's in your personal manifesto? So, uh, my personal manifesto is to help individuals and organizations thrive. So, it's it's pretty pithy right? It's not long. It's one sentence. That's what it is. And it's kind of this overarching framework or guiding post for me in my life. And it fits for me in my role as a mom. It fits for me in my role as a wife. I got lots of work to do in that area. (laughs) Uh, Don't we all? (laughs) And as a parent too. Two of the hardest roles, I think, is being a wife and a parent Mm -hmm. um, or being a partner. You know, I'm a relatively decent daughter and friend, uh, but I got lots of opportunity to work on in those two spaces. And so that that manifesto, you know, it speaks to what I do in my full time job. It speaks to what I do with Live It Active. So to me, it 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 brings together all of my spheres into one. And it's pretty simplistic. And that's and that's the thing is it doesn't have to be this overly complex, you know, 10,000 word essay on what it is. Uh, It can be, but I think the simpler, the better. Yeah. Well, and the power of once you figure it out, right? Absolutely. I know for myself, like I've always been, I always say, oh, I'm multi-passionate. I do this, I do that, I do whatever. And then I worked with someone this year to help me bring it together and figure out what, I guess my brand statement was, is how we put it, but that kind of thing. But to figure out the overarching so that it made sense for this jumbled brain postpartum and like, Oh yeah, baby brain's real. Yeah, it is. <sighs> Cohesive yeah. thought does but not it, always happen. But I think it helps having that mission, that that overarching. What am I trying to do in my life? Because it, it grounds you, it brings you yeah. back. So like, because as you said, like I can. Oh man, I can. Oh here I am. I'm doing this. Like yeah. I want to go and do. <laughs> this was a good one recently. Yoga teacher training. I have the flexibility of a 90 year old man, and I looked at you know yoga teacher training. So I was like, oh that you know it would save me bringing someone in all the time for my retreats. Yeah. And then I looked at it and I was like, I have no interest in this. Yeah. Don't want to do it. Yeah. And and now it would it could link to my manifesto, but mine is much more around the the mindfulness, uh, the connection, that sort of neuropsychology, mm-hmm. neurophysiology piece. That's what you know that's what I'm really interested in. Yeah. So, yeah. You had talked at uh, the ACE class about this mindfulness training that you had done mm-hmm. on online. Well, they Those do it online person. and they do it in person, I think, because yep. I looked it up afterwards. Mindfulness is definitely a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The buzzword. Buzzword at the moment. Oh, yeah. What do you get from mindfulness? Why is it so important? Yeah, so... Uh, so I participated in the eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction course back in Guelph, and I'm, that's where I grew up. And, there, and how I came to it, uh, my mom had done the course. She said, why don't you take this? It's just another tool in your tool belt. And I was like, absolutely not. That, the thought of it, <laughs> the thought of like meditating or sitting with yourself and being quiet to me was really unnerving mm-hmm. because I didn't know what I was going to uncover, and that was terrifying. And I, I wasn't ready. And so then uh, in grad school, I kind of reached my tipping point and I decided, you know what? I do need another tool and I need another resource. So sure, mom, sign us up. Yeah. 
So we went and did this course together and it was wonderful. And, uh, I mean, it, I was terrified to begin with. I had a lot of trepidation going in and it was a great group, small, which is what you need. You want that intimacy and the, the ability to build that trust so you can be vulnerable because you're going to go through a body scan and you're going to feel a tight chest and an upset stomach and really tight shoulders or, and you want to be able to share and explore maybe why. And, and then it's going to, they're going to expose you some, some beautiful poetry and Sufism and the, you know, core tenets of the course, the, the course. So it's mindful movement and, um, that connection to the body mm-hmm. being in the present moment with awareness and without judgment. And I think what resonated the most for me at a mindfulness was the no judgment piece. Yeah. It's hard for women. Oh my god! It's hard for everyone, but I think in particular for women. Holy smokes! And it's and so we we every single thought that comes through, we are labeling it good, bad, and we want to hold on to the good and we want to push away the bad mm-hmm. because it's uncomfortable and we don't like it and it, it you know ooh that's an ugly thought ooh wow where did that come from and yeah. so I think that's what was really powerful to me is as also the saying you are not your thoughts yeah. I think that had some real power for me because I have a lot of weird thoughts. I mean, we all have weird thoughts, but, but I, you know, some dark ones and I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? And so I think there's a lot of power in what the lessons that mindfulness has to teach if you're going to go into it. I think you can engage in it like all things in a very superficial way, but that's not what this is about. And, and I think that if you can dig into that, there's a lot of meat, a lot of wealth there. Yeah. Um, or a deep well of, of information. I think you've convinced me. I've been thinking about it for a while, but I'm just like, but like you're saying that sitting with those thoughts, man, Sit, sit with those thoughts. It is. It's a, it's a little scary. <laughs> it's so scary. <laughs> I mean, I go to counseling and I see huge benefits from counseling or therapy or whatever it is. Yes. But like sitting with this on its own. Oh, yeah. Without the guide. Oh, yeah. Without <laughs> the guide. And I, I'll tell this. Story. I don't know if I, I shared this at Toast, but I, t- I try to tell it because I think um, there was a woman in the class with me and, and we did our first session and it was a 45-minute body scan. And we finished the body scan and and of course our guide sort of checked in and sort of said, you know, how was that for everyone? And she was very honest and said, I wanted to run from this room when I started to just be silent and figure like what was going on in my chest and my gut and our guts have so much to tell us. And, uh, and there was a few people in the room that did not come back to the second session. They were not ready. Wow. And, and so it's a big deal. And I, and I think it's, you do have to be ready. You have to come to it in your own terms. I wasn't ready when my mom suggested it the first time. Then I realized, no, I need something else. Exercising and eating right and getting the sleep. It's not all working for me right now. Yeah. And now in my life, my number one priority is sleep because small humans steal it away from you and that sucks the life out of you. <laughs> so, so, so sleep is my number one priority right yeah. now. But at the time, I sort of had that imbalance and it still wasn't – I needed yeah. something else. And so mindfulness to me – I mean, of course, when anyone finds a new, their new religion, they're yeah. going to try and preach and get it. But I only, a- I only tell when someone asks. And for me, it has, in my mind, I mean, I wish I could do that scan, that fMRI scan to see what's happened in my brain. Right. But I think it has changed my neural pathways. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. And I, I want to quickly come back to the grit and grace because the funniest thing was 
literally last night I've been, so I'm listening to Michelle Obama's oh, yeah. uh, autobiography. And so like I do when I get onto something new, I'm like YouTubing all the interviews and stuff like that. <laughs> and I listened to, I think it was the final interview that um, Michelle and Barack did at the White House with like People Magazine or whatever. And he describes her as having grit and grace. And I was like, do you know what? If Michelle Obama has been grit and grace. That's what I <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah she's she definitely epitomizes that yeah how are you cultivating grit and grace on a sort of daily basis for myself yeah Ooh, good question so grace is harder for me than grit so grace in my interpretation of grace is that self-compassion that um, just in just this firm, grounded understanding in your worth. Yeah. It's not a needing to prove to to your to others to yourself that you're capable or competent, or you know the most amazing or yeah. the Wonder Woman. Because I think we're entering at an interesting place or maybe we've always been there of course you always think that you're the first generation <laughs> to experience this angst but uh this place where we have a ton of women participating in the labor force now most families like a, yeah i think it's now majority i just had the metrics up the other day but most most families are there's dual income earners um women are still doing more in the home. I think it's on average 33 minutes extra a day compared to their counterpart. It might be more. I see an eye roll. Um, <laughs> you know, love you, David. And, and, and no, and and the other, and the expectation around childcare. Yeah. And and I think, you know, and there's whole there's tons of stuff to unpack there. Like, why do women go into lesser paying jobs, or why do women choose roles that tend tend to pay less? You know, there's there's some sex differences, there are societal differences, there are all kinds of things to unpack in that question. But I think women are putting some very myself included some incredibly unrealistic expectations on themselves yeah. to perform. And to prove that they can work and they can do the child rearing and they can do the house and they can run a small business and there are going to be no take, there's going to be no negative consequences for that. And I will be brutally honest, there are things in your life that take a hit, whether it's the relationship with your spouse or the relationship with your kids or your social life yeah. or your health. Um, they are going to take hits if you are trying to do it all. So there's yeah. got to be some grace in there. So for me, this is a harder one because I do have a need to constantly prove that I can do all of the things and that's not okay. Yeah. So I have to work on that. And it's something that I think we just, I think particularly since the eighties and that like working girl kind of like that spirit of like, yeah, I think we have had this drilled into us that we can do it all. It was never expected before. Yeah, and, and was, no, and I think there's some beauty. Like, I mean, not to say I want to go back to like what it was before. Oh, yeah, no. You know, first, second, third wave feminism. I think there's some issues with third wave feminism, but we won't get into that today. Uh, but, you know, I, I fully believe in, fe obviously, female participation, women being yeah. at the table, like senior, you know, senior level, VP, president. I want to see it. Like, yeah. that's... I believe in that female entrepreneurship. Do it. 
so it's not to say, but I think there was some beauty in the simplicity of some really carved out roles. Yeah. You know, obviously there's also some oppression and, you know, yeah. if, if you don't, if that's not what you want, yeah. but there's a simplicity that is now missing. And, uh, it's sort of, how can you look to, you know, how can you find some of that again yeah. and, and not having to do it all and do it all right now. And I know it sounds really trite. Like I hate the, like doing it all. Can you do it all? Or like what's bad? I don't think you can I without, like you're saying without trade-offs, man. Yeah. Trade-offs. Cause it's, it's funny. So we both come from that sort of oil and gas corporate yeah. world. You're in it. I'm no longer, but I don't know about your organization, but we were ranked. Oh, you mean like a <laughs> performance? Review. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had a number. Of, literally oh, yeah, had a number. A number of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was one year where I was ranked a one, which is like the best. The you best. Can be. okay, and I good. talked to other women who later down the line who had also been ranked a one. And one woman put it perfectly. She said, when I was a one at work, I was not a one in other areas of my Ooh. life very astute and point so she got to the point where she's like you know what? i'd rather be a two across the board at home in my relationship at work and be happy with that and content um content yeah that's the word i go for yeah as, as opposed to happiness it's yeah. contentedness yeah because she was just like i couldn't be a one across the board it was impossible that is an incredible observation and I love that. And I think, I think that's, yeah, if you're, if you're being really honest and too many people are not honest enough about this, because for me, when I'm doing 110% with my small business, which, and I love what I do, I believe in what I do. And that's yeah. the thing is you're so passionate about it. I'm so, I have found I'm living my manifesto. Yeah. I'm doing, and you get so absorbed in it. Mm -hmm amazing brings you happiness contentedness there's trade-offs mm -hmm. you're distracted you're obsessing you're doing you're doing all of the things but it's taking away from just laying on the floor and playing with your kids yeah and and the phone i mean maybe people are better at managing their addiction to their phone than i am because it, like I've now put on very strict parameters with the control, yeah. uh, you know, when this email shut down and social media time and all that kind of stuff. And I delete the apps regularly so that I'm just off of it. Um, but it, it really takes away. You, you are no longer present yeah. in the room. You are gone and you are gone to your kids. You are gone to your spouse. Uh, you are gone to yourself. Yeah. And, and so that connection to all of those and that your awareness of it, it's, it's completely taken away by one very small, but yet very powerful device. Yeah. Um, and so, so for me, the grace piece needs a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of loving kindness meditations. Mm -hmm. I think it's my favorite. Uh, it's really funny. I did it with my husband. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago or yeah and we were looking for it because a lot of times it's you watch tv as a, as a as a couple and that's fine too but there's so many other things that you could do in the yeah. confines of your own home I mean sex is one of them uh but we, you know that's sometimes when you're exhausted that's not on the table <laughs> so so but like so we just I said would you do a meditation with me and I thought he fell asleep so I got really annoyed with him and so then I was distracted the whole meditation but so there's um, I try to do that. I try to uh, read and I also try to uh, be very aware of what is driving me to do something. Yeah. So that grace piece, why am I doing this? So is it is it grounded in the fact that I do believe myself to be worthy and this is something going to be fun and I'm excited? Or is it that I'm having to prove yeah. to someone that, you know, I'm really competent or, you know, whatever. 
So obviously you can tell us where my hang up is. Yeah. The grit piece, I can I can keep going, girl. I yeah. can drive it and drive it and drive it to my detriment. Yeah. Um. So that's where that that's why grit and grace. It's got to come together. Feel like we are kindred spirits here. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's got to come together. Yeah, it's not just about being gritty. Yeah, because I think you uh, and resilience is kind of an overarching piece to me. Yeah. And there's a difference there. Is that grittiness? I think is a trait, and I think it's an amazing trait that we should cultivate and celebrate. But uh, in order to be gritty, in my mind, you need to be well. And yeah. so, and so you can be you. Can, uh, you cannot be gritty without being resilient, but you can be resilient without being gritty. Gritty is, I've got passion for something. Yeah. I'm going to persevere with that. And within passion, there's interest and purpose. Yeah. So you got to be interested in it. You've got to intrinsically be tied and pulled to something. And then the purpose piece is, uh, you know, this, there's that feel good, that connection to what I'm doing, yeah. that I'm doing something good for myself, for the community, uh, for the world. And, and then the perseverance is, yeah, this is something that I'm willing to stick with. And yeah. I'm going, and it's demonstrated through that, uh, and this is all from the research from Angela Duckworth, as uh, that ability to engage in deliberate practice. Deliberate practice is really unpleasant. Yeah. So you need to really, really like it to stick with it. And then also that hope. Yeah. Piece. So it's not simply hope is I'm hopeful that tomorrow will be better simply yeah. because it's a new day. No, I'm t- putting in the work and the actions today to make tomorrow better. And yeah. that's where all the research with Carol Dweck and mindset. Yeah. So that growth versus fix. So a lot of the things I'm talking about with my own self about having to prove yeah. is because in a lot of areas of my life, I have this fixed mindset and I need to constantly work on that to get to the growth piece. Right. So that's, that's my own, that's my grace journey. My grace, grace is harder. And I don't know if that's, I don't want to paint, you know, all women with the same brush, but I think a lot of women can persevere and soldier on. And and that's wonderful. We need that. Human beings are incredibly resilient. Thank goodness. But that grace is that it's a counterbalance. It's the yin and yang. What, when you talk about grace, what it has me thinking about is just that word enough. Yes. You're like, yes, you can go for your dreams, strive for the biggest things, but also the grace to know that you are enough just as you are, but to care for that person just as you are. And, and to like, so when I was doing, when I, in my retreat in Ontario, it was super interesting because in my workbook, I have two statements and I am worthy and I am worthless. I said, I want you to look at it and I want you to explore your immediate reactions to both. And so one of the ladies in my retreat said, my immediate reaction to I'm worthless is fuck that. And, and I thought, okay, I'm not a trained uh, psychologist. I never make any overtures that I yeah. am. So me exploring these things in a one-on-one, it's not going to happen. In a group, I have to be really careful too because yeah. I don't I don't want to inflict any damage to people. Yeah. So uh, and that's a uh, you know an opportunity for growth for me is to find someone who could come in and, and yeah. provide that support if people need it. But that's not what I'm trying to do at the retreats is, is to traumatize or damage. But so, <laughs> yeah. so anyways, she said this and it really struck a chord with me because... I think that that initial reaction is a quote unquote right reaction to say, of course I'm worthy. Yeah. Of course I know I'm enough. How dare you suggest it otherwise? Yeah. However, the thing is, is okay. So if you do believe that, 
and you do you, that I am worthless statement has no resonance with you because you are 100% grounded in that I am worthy. I'm worthy of taking a break. I am worthy of peace. I am worthy of joy. I Phenomenal. That's fantastic. Okay. How does that translate into action? So how does that show up? Mm-hmm. So it's so easy for people, I think, to say, I am enough. Or maybe it's not, and maybe it, and maybe it isn't. But I think it's sometimes, of course I am. You know, how dare you suggest otherwise? But do but your actions support it? it. And then yeah. when you're doing the actions, it's another step further. Is And this is where I think that there's opportunity for growth in my retreats is you're doing the action, quote unquote, right action. But then what's happening up here? Mm-hmm. So you're going to, so I'm worthy of taking a break. So let's say you think, tick, because that's a, I have a list of all the things. You yep. know. And so, yeah, I'm worthy of taking a break. So what's a break for you? So I love watching TV. Yeah. Uh, um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it if you're intentional and engrossed in it in the moment and it's actually restorative to you. So it's all those... Making gift- a murderer is not restorative for me. It is. Oh. Fascinating. Not restorative. Not restorative. So <laughs> if you have that awareness of it, so it's, it's, you know, if that's not giving you what you need to be restored, and I've had these conversations in all my follow-up calls with my retreat participants is, let's not poo-poo TV just because it's TV and screen time and there's all kinds of stuff out there about how bad it is. If it does relax you and it is restorative, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's not all the time. It's not every time, but maybe it's part of, you know, but I, so I like watching TV. Yeah. Pride yeah. and Prejudice with Colin Firth. That is restorative. restorative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where was I going with this? Where was the restorative TV? How did I get onto this tangent? Uh, ooh. We both have kids that are just like one or under. That's right? right. That's right. So things things leave your brain in terms of oh, so you're so say I'm taking my I'm worthy yeah. of a break. I get to watch TV. So a lot of times I'll be like, well, I'm not going to watch TV until. I've done the toys and I've done the dishes and I've disinfected the cabinets and I've made the beds and I put a load of laundry in and, um, there's nothing uh, around me. Perfection is around me. That's correct. So, so, okay. So is, are you really worthy of that break Uh, or you really think you're worthy of that break? You're only worthy of it if you've done, done. if then, okay. So then you're doing the break. Cool. You're finally there (laughs) and you're watching the TV and you're fully engrossed in it. But what are some of the thoughts you're having while you're fully fully engrossed in it? So anyways, when you are engaging in whatever it is that you deem at a break for you, are you thinking, well, I really should get up and finish the dishes? Or um, I really, I'm being really lazy and (laughs) I should be reading a book or I should be, I should be planning out tomorrow's meals or I should be. So what's happening up here? And I think that takes a lot of time to build that mindful awareness of, you know, engaging in the quote unquote right action that corresponds with, I am worthy of whatever. Yeah. But also the mindful awareness of what's happening psychologically, cognitively and emotionally um, for you while you're doing it. Yeah. I talk to my clients about the importance of getting into what I term should covery. Oh. recovery from the shouldisms and I should do this and I right. should do that. And yes. like what is actually important? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's, it's so, it's so multifaceted and I think, and maybe I'm, it's not fair for me to say that it's, it's so easy and we always, we jump to our inclination is to say, oh, I am enough and I know that, or I am worthy. Yeah. And, and you know, some people, some folks at the retreat here in Alberta also said, 
when they were filling out the self-compassion survey, they commented on how they were they were almost filling the survey out the way they wanted themselves to fill it out yeah. or the way they wanted one of their clients or their daughters to fill it out. Yeah. And so too often when we're answering those things or, or these questions, we're answering them the way we would like ourselves to yeah. answer and not actually being honest with the whatever it is uh, that's going on with us. And, and not to say that, you know, there's life is this darkness, but, you know, to quote Buddhist philosophy, life is suffering. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. And no matter what your walk is or what you're doing or what's going on for you in life, it is that. So it's really important to acknowledge. It doesn't mean it is all the time. Life's yeah. wonderful, too. It's amazing. It's it's joyful. You have beautiful babies, sleeping babies. You have, a, mm-hmm. you have your Christmas tree. You have holiday. You have family. There's so much joy in that. But there is so much hardship, too. And so it's acknowledging that so then that can give you the permission to sort of start getting in tune with the deep shit that's going on permission man that's something that women we struggle with. oh yeah i would agree with that too yeah we need the permission um you know to take that break yeah if thens right so if i do this then i can do that and you know one of the ladies commented about how it's not worth it's deserve she feels that she has to deserve it right and so that probably ties in a little bit with that permission. Well, isn't it interesting? We, would, we wouldn't we would say that to our friends. We wouldn't say that to our Never. kids. You deserve a break. Or, no, you de- like, you only get a break if That's you right. deserve it. Like, we tell them unconditionally they do deserve it. Yeah. And I just think we spend a lot of time alone, like uh, suffering in our, uh, uh, alone in our suffering. Yeah. And I mean, I know that mental illness and uh, stigma, I, I don't like the word stigma. I know it goes along with that, but like discrimination is kind yeah. of the word I tend to try and use, but I guess stigma has different connotations with it, but I, it has sort of exploded in terms of its awareness and, yeah. and people talking more openly a little bit more about it. But I still think that people are only talking about it after they've been successful, right? Like it's not during, because I do genuinely think that if you are really open and honest about whatever it is you're going through, say in the workplace, and you're not in like kind of a more senior position, you're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. You're going to be pigeonholed. You're going to be labeled. And so I think... You know, we, we've come a long way in terms of openness and having these conversations and it's changing in the workplace and we are creating more accommodations and, but I, we are, we still have so much to go. Not that this, we're yeah. talking only about like mental illness, but just struggle. Yeah. We just spend a lot of time alone in our struggle. Yeah. Well, and it just blows my mind. Cause like as someone that's had postpartum depression and quote unquote standard depression, <laughs> whatever yeah. you want to phrase it. And anxiety and stuff like it's, it's, it's interesting to me what you're saying about like, yes, we only talk about it when we've recovered with like with That's our right. employers or all that kind of stuff. But also, um, I guess, how do we get to that point? How do we get to a point where it's okay to talk during the struggle, during the, during the hard times without being pigeonholed? And that does feel like it. For me, it feels like that's a far way away. But how the number of people that experience mental health, I mean, you'll have known this working at CMHA. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so common. So common. It's so normal, air quotes, that, you know, we would never say these things to someone that's diagnosed with cancer or broken leg or any of that right. kind of stuff. And yet, 
you know, if there's something going on in the brain, that's not okay. Yeah, I think there's so many different things to sort of think about with this. So like human nature, so there's an innate level anxiety just to being human. And that's good because it's actually allowed us to survive from an evolutionary standpoint. If we weren't anxious, we wouldn't wake up and, you know, if we didn't have some base level, we really would have died off a long time ago. And I think, I know there's lots of controversy around this controversy around this person, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Uh, But I'm a huge fan and I really find his, I mean, if you really give him a chance and go and listen to some of his stuff, it's really interesting. He's very thought provoking. I found as long as I wasn't listening to him talk about the stuff that he was controversial for. Right. When I listen to everything else, I'm like, you make a lot of sense. And it's interesting too, even the stuff that he's very controversial yeah. for, I listen to his like very well thought yeah. out argument as to why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're talking kind of in um, ri- uh, rhyme or what's the, right, for people who don't know Jordan Peterson, oh, right, they'd be yes. like, uh, it's not rhyme, but uh, anyways. So anyways, he's a controversial guy, but I encourage it, you know, yeah. your listeners to go and check him out, but really go and listen to some of his, like the one of really good one is when he uh, t- talks to his speech to uh, Queen's Law grads and he was getting like totally protested outside and was banging on the windows and all that kind of stuff but um, so it's not I'm not refuting the fact that he's controversial but if you actually listen to some of those arguments they really are well thought out so one of the ones is he talked about hopefully I can get it correct but you know Taker they talked about how um, anxiety in rats is learned or I don't know if it was uh, hopelessness and uh, I don't think it was but it was anxiety in rats is learned and it was sort of like the Pavlov's dogs yeah yeah. uh, sort of if you do the the sound and then there's the shock then the rat will learn to be anxious yeah and he said no in fact um, rats you know, those behaviors, I can't remember exactly the study, but basically rats will exhibit anxious behaviors without ever being taught uh, to be anxious. Yeah. They, that is an innate component of being a rat. So when they go into a new environment, they're anxious simply because it's a new environment it's and they unknown. are a rat, yeah. they are a being. And he said, you take a human being and you put them on an, a, a deserted island and you see how they respond. It's going to be the immediate response is that of anxiety. And so that, you know, outside of our creature comforts, our homes, our habits, we are anxious beings and creatures. So there's some innate, there's some innateness, there's some normal, normalcy with that. And it makes a lot of sense. And I don't think I'm doing what he said justice and, I'll try and find it and link to it. But it, so, it, yeah. but this one was, I heard him speak in person. Oh, did you? So, so when yeah. he came to Calgary and so, I mean, I fell, <laughs> also I fell asleep because I was sleep Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a testament to yeah. him. He's very interesting. But it, so it, I think what the message though, the theme that I'm trying to get across is, and, and not very eloquently is that there is an innateness to anxiety yeah. um, that we are born with. And there's yeah. a predisposition. And thank goodness for it because it's allowed for us to survive. But yeah. at the same time, it can be quite damaging in a, in the current context yeah. that we live in. And that our anxiety needs outlets. And we yeah. find different outlets to be anxious about. you know. Uh, and so whatever pathway you choose, yeah. whether it's I need to wash my hands X many times. Yeah. Or uh, I'm anxious about my kids getting injured or yeah. my husband dying. Like We choose different yeah. outlets. Or the day-to-day, like, social media can give me anxiety. Because, like, man, I have had to, and I still don't always succeed, but I have to train myself not to read comments on things. And these are not comments about me. These are, like, you see a news article, like, Calgary Herald, Facebook, whatever. You click on the comments, and, like, it is horrible, horrific. Or 
Twitter about the news. And it's one of those things like you want to stay well informed. And yet being well informed can make a lot of people really anxious. I, yeah, it's such a, I agree with you completely about you want, yes, I think you've nailed it. I don't really need to say much more on it, but you want to be informed. You want to be engaged. You want to be able to participate in current affairs, but your engagement and exposure to current affairs is typically incredibly anxiety inducing. So it's only going to add to your base level anxiety of being a human. Yeah. And then also for me, it's like, how do you have this much time? to write these nasty comments yeah. and where, I mean, and the, how does that make you feel the nastiness, right? Yeah. Because when you are feeling angry or, um, you know, the energy that that takes and yeah. sucks from you and that way it makes you feel and how much it takes. Yeah. I mean, I think about the places those people must be in psychologically to be so nasty and angry. It's not to say that I can't be nasty or I can't be mean or angry. I am all, I can be all of those things. I'm a human, but I just think of wow, it it gives it makes me sad. Yeah. Right. Um, typically, I'm pretty optimistic about the human race. I think we do are inherently good, um, but there are some real, some real unfortunate. There are some yeah. some nasty folks out there. But I think a lot of us are hurting, and we haven't dealt with that hurt. Yeah. Because we're afraid to deal with the hurt. We're afraid to go in. Yeah. Um, because it's it's scary. It's yeah. hard. Well, and it's interesting. I ha- had a full f- my. F- the first full physical in years with my doctor the other day and he was talking about how he's actually prescribing people to stop reading the news because he's like just noticing just this trend of people's blood pressure going up the last couple of years and he's just like just stop take a take a step back or like like he's saying stop reading the comments or whatever or just yes try and find your most um non-partisan way of getting that kind of news so that you're not triggered in those ways if at all possible and if you are triggered regardless he's like step back well and you know that's how it's such an interesting thing for him to start prescribing that's how shinrin yoku or forest bathing yeah. actually started or came into existence is uh, in japan they were having a high they have high suicide rate they yeah. have kuroshi is their word for uh, death by overwork yeah and so Which there's is I think that they have, they have a, a word. word for that they have yeah. a word i think they're the only uh it's the only language that has a word specific to that and um, and so they they they're like we gotta do something. Yeah. So the doctors started prescribing time in nature. Yeah. And change things. Yeah. And so now there's of course the scientific literature backing up about what is happening in nature. What are some of the biochemicals that yeah. the trees are releasing that are impacting you physiologically, which is so fascinating. Wow. Yeah. So there's and and then of course what's that doing and changing? You yeah. Know, the immersion in nature, but also forest bathing is very specific. It's not just being in nature. Yeah. It's tuning in in a very different way and it actually shuts off your prefrontal cortex. So it's tuning into your senses to change the way in which your brain is immersed in that moment. Yeah. I have a complete tangent question for you on this before we sort of move into our final five questions, because I saw that you had done forest bathing recently and we are so lucky to live in Calgary, so close to the Rocky mountains. Okay. Love hiking have never done it on my own from a fear of safety standpoint. That's right. How do you deal with, like, we're really going tangent here, but, like, if I want to do the forest bathing bathing and do all that kind of stuff, how do I do that without, like, the constant fear of bears and, like... Yeah, so bears, How do you do bears is a legitimate like, oh. threat. So, uh, yeah, I went for a hike by myself, and I'm not going to lie, like, I was singing Phantom of the Opera at the top of my lungs. <laughs> so... <laughs> a, I love Phantom. Yeah. B, I'm slightly nuts. And In C, a non-snow uh, avalanche area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And C was, I mean, it was 
bears. And yeah. um, I mean, they, they are sort of going into their torpor or their hibernation for a little bit, but um, doesn't mean that they're not out and about. So you can do forest bathing in a group. There's this amazing woman out in Canmore, uh, Rana, and she does forest fix is what her business is called. And so she does sessions. You can go out to Canmore. She does them like once a month. So you can find, go in a group. She guides you. She leads you. That's the best way to start doing yeah. it is to get the guide. And then she gives you those questions and then you come together and you discuss. And, and so it's, it's, it, it's very immersive and it's so funny because um, anytime I've done any work with Rana and I've, I think I've done, I've done two forest bathing sessions with her and she did one at my retreat mm-hmm. in 2017. And then uh, I did her eco yoga retreat and anytime I start doing work with her, I hate it. I am going, why did I sign up for this? This is terrible. I yeah. hate this. I could be doing a million other things right now. This is so uncomfortable. I don't like this at all. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happens, what switch occurs, but there's something that happens in my brain, whether it's the neurochemical, all of a sudden I'm in bliss. Yeah. And, and so there are other options and you don't have to go do forest bathing in the mountains to have the effect. You could go in, like you could go up to Fish Creek. Yeah. You could go to Glenmore Reservoir. Being immersed in nature is, and the other thing about forest bathing typically is you've got to go slow. Yeah. You got to go real slow and you're looking for movement and you're looking for, and you typically, when you're doing a formal session, you're getting the cues. Yeah on what you're to be doing. So you don't have to go and do it alone to get the benefits and you don't have to go to the mountains. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Uh, last question before we move into that. Well, I guess, first of all, do you consider yourself successful or is that like a loaded word Hmm. or your life successful for you? Yes. I would say yes, because I am living my passion. Yeah. So I would say, yes, I would say there are areas of my life where I deem myself to be less successful. I think my greatest struggle, to be honest, is being a parent. And I I think parenting tests you. (laughs) It tests you in a way that you've never been tested before, because before, if you didn't have your shit together, it's just you. Or maybe your spouse who's getting the short end of the stick, you know, yeah, yeah, short end of the stick. Is that the expression? And so, and so it's, you're two adults. You're not as susceptible or you're still vulnerable. Um, (laughs) My gosh, we're still vulnerable as adults. I mean, abusive situations can crop up at any time. So it's not to say, don't, you know, you can't go and and project all your stuff onto someone else and that's okay, even if they're an adult. But the thing is, is when you're a parent and you have these small, incredibly vulnerable little people that look up to you as their guide, as their protector, as their provider. It is such a daunting and intimidating role. And you constantly feel, at least for me, that you are damaging your children by not being happy or not being contented or not, you know, or losing your temper. Like I yelled at my kid, my daughter this morning, I felt awful. And, and so it's like, oh my gosh, you constantly feel Mm -hmm. like you're failing. And then you'll have a few good moments. And you're like, mm, yes, <laughs> nailed that as a parent. Or that was a beautiful moment. Or my yeah. kid said I loved you. Or, you know, they showed compassion to a friend. Oh, and now they've just smacked their brother across the head. And so you're like, 
You're just like, where have I gone wrong? I am damaging them. Yeah, it's all on me. They're not their own little person. That's right. Yeah. And you put, you take so much on. And I think women do, we really do take so much on. And yeah. there's so much shame and judgment. And and um, especially, especially among moms, whoa, like a lot of shaming that yeah. goes on. And yes, you typically surround yourself with moms who are like-minded, who support you. But even in that group, sometimes there's still those little comments and things, little digs and things that sort of initiate that shame response that then you go silent and you're alone in it and you don't want and you don't want to share that you've yelled or you don't want to share that your kids hit or your kids screamed at day home at another kid. Um, Mine was a biter for a while. Right. And that's just like, I am the worst parent. What have I done? Right. Like, it's not like you're biting your child. Yeah. (laughs) It's not like you're biting other adults in your house. I love how people then tell you to bite your child back. And I'm like, is that the solution here? Really? Well, it's like, well, figure out how much, how painful this is. That's, I think, the the premise as to why you bite them back. So I think, I think, so uh, yes, I think I'm successful. Do I have an insatiable desire to always be doing something and always be testing and trying and challenging yeah. myself? Yes. Is that good? Like, like all these yeah. questions I'm asking myself. Uh, I, I think in some ways, sure. Yeah. I think in some ways it can be quite damaging. Yeah. So, okay, maybe we'll take success out of it. Contented life. What are the habits that you, um, that you live in order to keep that consistent? so contentedness as I love contentedness versus happiness yeah. I think happiness is way more fleeting happiness is, is is a wonderful emotion and experience but it's going to dissipate quickly whereas contentedness I think if you were to look at your life on the whole mm-hmm. do you feel that and I would say absolutely yeah I love that I have children it's so hard but I feel a richness that um for me is incredibly powerful and important and they're hilarious they're man. so funny <laughs> they're so like you know i love your vagina like yeah, that's, like and, and let's give context before, like yeah. give context like you're changing and they're studying you because they love looking at bodies and it's you're trying to be really confident and give confident body yeah. again you're like i gotta do all these things to make sure they're really confident in their body <laughs> and who they are and you're putting on your underwear and your daughter goes, I like your vagina. And you're like, okay, yeah. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So you're just, and so you're trying to just try to give that confidence, right? And you, you're taking them to swimming lo- lessons in your bathing suit. And you're just trying to be so proud without your towel and all of the things that you're trying to do. So contentedness do I habits that sort of yeah, lead to that yeah I think that yeah I I do love I love being married uh marriage is hard um yeah. and I think you know you really do need to put the time in and I think that's something my husband and I appreciate both maternity leaves um is that that time investment is essential yeah and so that's one of the habits that we are constantly working on to make sure that we remain contented in our yeah. commitment to one another. Um, because I could not do this as a single parent to all the single mamas and papas out there. I am important. You, you are God, gods and goddesses. Yeah. And, um, and typically when you hear about single parenting stories, you hear them, they're going to school or they're working full time and they don't have family around and they've got grit. They have got grit in spades. So yes, yeah, so I think that's one of the habits and that's a hard one. Like it's, you got to yeah. work on it. And then 
The other is, uh, and this is sort of a new one for me, but I've been slowly trying to rid myself of stuff in my house and just building that habit that stuff and material items do not bring happiness or contentedness. And so that's a newish, newish one for me. For our listeners, you might hear a little bit of noise from uh, my baby girl because that's how we roll. We balance. Victoria's an amazing mama who's doing a podcast with her six-month-old on her knee. We balance. We figure things out. That's right. So, um, oh, no. I had a great question there, and it's just gone. So, uh, yeah. So, so building that that contentedness muscle or that that muscle. um, And I think the other one I do on the regular – is that that mindful awareness. So yeah. the one thing I do is uh, it's a tool that I got from Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, and it's a it's called uh, being aware of your habit energies. So habit energies. Habit energies. So uh, he likens uh, habit energies to an out of control horse, and you're simply along for the ride, and and so you know a lot of times we aren't even aware of what are the out of control horses that are racing through our mind. We're not even <laughs> consciously aware of them. And so yeah. for me, one of the tools that I do is I, I'm starting to recognize those. So yeah. a really tangible example is every Saturday morning I engage in cleaning and chores and tasks and it makes everyone miserable, including myself. And so that is a habit energy. That's one that I now have mindful awareness that I do. So now instead I book a yoga class. Yeah. I am out of the house. Started off right. I am gone. So so that's so it's it's trying to sort of build that mindful muscle to help build that contentedness. Yeah. Uh, you said contented and mu- muscle, but build that contentedness. So there's a yeah. few really tangible examples of things that I I'm like trying it. to employ. But that time investment with your spouse, that that foundation, is so important. Yeah. Uh, and, and that will make that does make me a better parent when we're a team, when we come at things as a united front as opposed to enemies. Yeah. You know, um, and and making sure it's that so you, much easier when you have sleep, right? <sighs> sleep. You've got to have. And that's the thing, too. Yeah. For me, it's sleep. Like yeah. find a way in any way. If you're not sleeping in the same bed as your spouse, who no. cares if you're sleeping downstairs? Sleep downstairs. Get yeah. sleep because it is so essential to yeah. your went mental well-being. Well, and I t- even just like right now, like one night, minimum one night a week, my husband's great, like gives me a full night oh. downstairs away from the children. So like she wakes up, I don't have to deal with it. And it is that night for me was last night. And that was bliss. And it's so restorative. It's amazing the difference. Like, and I think you you can't tell the difference that it makes until you get that full night's sleep. And it's just like, I can conquer the world. I felt like a shell of myself yeah. until around six to eight months. I felt as though I was a functioning shell. And I think we are not... Uh, this amazing woman I follow on Instagram, even though social, I poo poo social media. There's a lot of pros to it and it's connecting yeah. with amazing people. Yeah. But so this amazing woman, uh, she's a chiropractor and she's doing this, this something called 12 days of postpartum. She does a lot of stuff oh, with mom yeah. and, and moms and she does a retreat called movement and motherhood. And, and, uh, she, I, I sent in a video cause she's featuring in these one minute videos, women and what, you know, just your piece of advice. And I said, you know, for me with sleep, it's amazing what you're still capable of, what you can do. You're still functional. 
you're still going through the motions. You're caring for a small human. Yeah. You're running a small business. You're doing podcasts. You're doing all of the things. But internally, without sleep, I felt like a shell. Yeah. I was emotionless. I was a zombie. I was angry, negative. My optimistic view of life yeah. was gone. And so those are all things that mirror the symptomology of, of clinical depression. Yeah. And so that's a really big deal that sleep can have that profound an impact. And yeah. so that's really important from a balance standpoint, from a contentedness yeah. is you have to have sleep. Yeah. Morgan, I could talk to you forever, but <laughs> we will go into the final five, which are typically sort of shorter and sweet, sure. but still profound. Uh, the first is what gets you fired up in a good way? Oh my God. Hiking. Yeah. Outdoors, nature. Uh, it gets me so fired up and excited. Skiing, anything that is outdoors. I grew up in the country. Yeah. Access to the outdoors was always there for me. Just getting out, walking. I think, you know, when my mind is a you know a buzz or a fuzzy or yeah. a fu you know, whatever, I I get on my shoes. I get out for a walk. Yeah. And so, and, and that's not in nature. It's in the city. But really, the most restorative, yeah. most fired up is is being outdoors. What's the most inspiring book that you've read in the past few years? What do you tell women to read? Ooh. That is a really good question. Most inspiring book in the last 12 years. Or few years. <laughs> what did I say? Two 12. years? 12. You said 12. 12. Oh, that's so funny. I don't think I was that specific. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I was thinking of Jordan Peterson's book, 12 oh, Rules 12 for Life. Rules. Yeah. So, um, which brought up, elicited so much controversy at my book club. It was amazing. Really? Oh, wow. It was real spicy. I'm not that far into it, but, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm at the lobster. The lobster. Stage. So the yeah. lobster. Yes. Yeah, so that's a, it's a, the initial <laughs> stage, <laughs> but there's lots of value in the lobster. So for, yeah. you know, I'm trying to elicit curiosity to your listeners so that they'll yeah, go yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if that was inspiring, but it was really, um, helpful, but I think one of the books that I think a about a lot, um, was, oh my gosh, Man's Search for Meaning. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's about, uh, I mean, he's this incredible psychologist. I, Victor I, Frankl. Victor yeah. Frankl, yeah. um, who basically goes and lives out his, uh, philosophy, his therapy, therapy approach. He was sort of at the time of Freud and, uh, or a little bit after maybe. And, um, his approach or his psychological approach is, is significantly different, but he, you know, as a survivor of a concentration camp goes and lives it. And this is his story and it was yeah. incredibly inspiring. Yeah. I thought so as well that he, you know, he talked about, um, yeah, that needing, needing the meaning and the purpose. And it doesn't mean you're always happy or even content in some cases, but that that is really what carries people through. I right. found it so fascinating that, yeah, some of the people you would expect would survive concentration camps just from a physical standpoint did not did not and uh, that yeah and meaning purpose ties back into that grit and manifesto piece yeah. which is so powerful to me and i think powerful for many people if you give yourself the time and space to actually think about that yeah yeah what are your go-to methods for handling stress you've you know you've got a small business you uh, are going back to work next week you got small kids you got people in your life stress is unavoidable stress is How unavoidable so i think you know, screaming into a pillow is, is useful every once in a while, but it's not <laughs> great for your vocal cords. Actually, you know what? Singing. I love, of the I love singing. Yeah. I, I am classically trained. I've sang in operas before. Oh, wow. And so I do. So when I'm singing Phantom, it's, it's, it's relatively decent. It's okay. not horrific. Uh, so, so singing, I think brings me so much peace. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like to dance it out a little. Yeah, dance. Not it. a great dancer. Yeah, love it. Movement, like yeah. obviously exercise. I mean, I go, I go, went to boxing yesterday. You know, you get to punch the shit out of that bag, right? <laughs> so it helps me with my, you know, rage or whatever I've got going on inside yeah. of me. Because, you know, we're all complex beings. Yeah. Uh, but I can be. I have a lot of emotions going on in there. So it's trying to find some stability in that. So yeah, yeah, nice. What is the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? Mm. Try better next time. So I think a lot of times this came from my sage, uh, my really close girlfriend who's a mom and she's, she's quite a steady Eddie and she gave me this advice and she received it from a coworker. I'm pretty sure. But a lot of times with moms or as parents or as people, but I, this is in the mom context is you, you lose your patience with your kid. (laughs) You lose your temper. Yeah. And you feel awful and you just sit and just in the shame and guilt yeah. of it all. And guilt's actually, you know, Brene Brown talks about this. Guilt's a, a positive one because it motivates you to do something better. But shame, shame yeah. encloses you and it it, yeah. it it imprisons you almost yeah. in a little bit. So we can spend so much time in this like shame vortex. Yeah. And so what she said is, you know, when I have this group text with all of my mom friends and most of them are back East ones out in Vancouver and they're all my high school gals. And I feel very lucky to be best friends with all of my high school girlfriends. Yeah. And so we have this text chain and we share when all of our stories and we share our moments and our, our really big mess ups Yeah. and her saying, and it's always stuck with me is, okay, you messed up. It's not good. You shouldn't have done that. But I'm not trying to say this to be shame but you can do it better next time. Yeah. So when you feel, you know, whatever your blood broiling, your kid, you've said, please sit down or sit on your bum bum for the 20th time (laughs) and it's not happening. And then you raise your voice and you can feel yourself, you know, be better next time. Yeah. Try it different next time. And so don't, and then if you still screw up, don't sit in that shame vortex. Yeah. Move through it. Well, and I love the way for me, it was just so simple when Brene Brown explained it as, Guilt is I did a bad thing. Shame is I am a bad whatever. Yes. And I was like, that is so helpful. It is. It's such a good distinction between the two. And then, because I've always looked at uh, my coming from an Irish background, guilt is a (laughs) a wonderful tool that's been utilized for generations on how to motivate behavior. Yeah. But so I've always looked at guilt to, you know, I've really given it a bad rap because I I do not like feeling beholden or guilted into doing something. But it is a really clear distinction because it can motivate you to change or modify the behavior in a good way. Probably using it as a tool or a vehicle to get someone to do something isn't yeah. the greatest but it's yeah. it's much more powerful than shame yeah so final question morgan is what does it mean to you to live your best life i th- i think it's you know to wrap up you know everything that we've talked about in a nice pretty bow is to live your best life is to be living your passion and i know it sounds really kind of trite and lame maybe and overdone uh, and that there's so many people that say that, uh, but, and I want to say this because I was thinking about this in the car is it's almost a luxury too, yeah. because there's a lot it's of a privilege. People, yeah. It is a privilege. There's a lot of people that, you know, just do not have the opportunity, uh, the time, um, they are meeting the base level of Maslow's needs. Right. Yeah. And so it is a luxury yeah. to be thinking about living your passion. But for me, I, I am afforded this luxury. I have given you know my ancestors made incredible choices to get me to this point and I owe them so much and I'm incredibly grateful living my best life is 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 living that passion and and helping people and individuals and 
and letting them, giving them the space and time to dig in and uncover who they are. And so that's living my best life. And of course, at the same time, working hard as I can to be a good mom and a good wife. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. This was so much fun. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Where is your favorite place for people to connect with you? So uh, my website, uh, liveitactive.ca, has sort of all the information about the retreats, upcoming dates. My Instagram, I'm sort of on and off because I do try to limit my social media. Yeah. And so I will go in waves, fits and starts. And uh, and so that is Live It Active YYC. And that's typically where I will post uh, you know, upcoming events, uh, retreats. I do have some exciting collaborations uh, coming up next Ooh. year as well. So if the retreat space is not where you want to be, uh, there are some other things that I'm working on exploring partnership with uh, actually one of the gals who was at uh, Toast. Oh, great. Yeah. So uh, so that's coming up as well. But the other thing is I, I really do, if I have the time and the space, I love connecting in person. Or, so if someone's interested and intrigued in doing that, please just reach out on my website and, and happy to go from there. Perfect. Well, I'm. we could talk for hours, we but could. we'll give it a give it a close but thank you so much for joining thank you victoria ah you guys morgan's just awesome (laughs) isn't she i definitely finished this interview with her in person and when i listened back to it and edited it so inspired and fired up and but fired up about self-care right? Like that's not something that I typically think, hey, I'm fired up about taking care of myself and my mental health and my resiliency and my grit and my grace, right? So I just want to say a big, big thank you to Morgan for joining the podcast. So again, if you are enjoying this podcast, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and give it a rating or review. You can do that right in your phone. If you've gotten, if you have an iPhone, you can do it directly in your hands as we speak. Or even better, if you are loving the podcast, you could vote for it in the Best of Calgary Awards under the podcast category. And that can be found at bestofcalgary.com. So have a fantastic week and I look forward to chatting to you next week. (music) 